All right, take your Bibles, please. We are in 1 John chapter 4, and uh, we're continuing through our study in 1 John. I had a feeling that it would probably take us through uh, December, and it looks like we're going to go into January probably, but um, 1 John chapter 4, going to be reading the first six verses. So, everyone ready? Everyone ready? Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Now, can I just say something right here? A lot can be said about that one phrase. And a lot will be said, Lord willing, today about that. But do not believe every spirit, but uh, test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not, he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful freedom of access to read and study and proclaim your word. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come now and, uh, Lord, let it come alive in our spirit. And let, it, uh, let your word teach us what we need to know today uh, so that we can have a more effective walk with you. I pray, Lord, you anoint my lips and my mind to proclaim your word today. Let everyone who hears this receive it as the word of God. And Lord, in the process, as we often pray, Lord, be, be glorified in the preaching of your word today. Let your church be edified and built up as a result. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're uh, continuing in this study of 1 John. Uh, we had three sermons uh, recently on the topic of uh, the Christian way. Uh, prior to that, there were two sermons on the topic of the chain breaker. And today we're starting a new section, uh, chapter 4, and I'm calling it uh, Test the Spirits. And uh, here John is, um, is counseling or addressing a problem in the church at that time. And uh, let me say this, it's also a problem of today. Uh, one of the things that we're dealing with at that time, uh, I'll get into this more a little bit later, but at that time the church was relatively small. But how many of you know today the church is relatively humongous because of the internet and social media and stuff? There are millions of people that have access to opinions. And so the topic here is the false prophets or false teachers. Uh, this is, was previously addressed by Jesus. It was addressed by Paul. It was addressed by Peter. It was addressed by John in chapter 2. So he's coming back to, to discuss it again. Uh, we are in the time period of about 90 A.D., uh, so it's kind of like at the end of John's life and ministry. Uh, the issue was Gnosticism, which was a, a teaching that came, if you remember from chapter 2, the, te the false teaching came from within the church. That's something to remember. 
you, you would think that that wouldn't happen, but that happens frequently. False teaching comes from within the church. This was called Gnosticism, which was simply put a belief in knowledge and, and uh, uh, non-addressing moral issues, but just a belief in knowledge as your means of salvation and not the blood of Jesus Christ. In John, 1 John 2, John refers to this as the spirit of Antichrist. So John is addressing the idea of people uh, that are claiming to be called, claiming to be commissioned, claiming to be entitled to minister the word of God, when in fact they had no business being in that position in the first place. Are you with me, church? I'm not feeling a lot of warmth right now. I don't know why. But are you hearing what I'm saying? These false prophets are teaching, preaching, doing things. No one commissioned them to do it. That was a problem then. Is it a problem now? Oh, just go on YouTube. You see a million people that are, are self-commissioned to proclaim the word of God. In my years of coming up in the faith, there were three ways to determine if you were really called by God to do something like that. One way was to have a, a burden in your heart. You're just compelled to preach or teach or get involved. You have to have that. But the second way is to have a confirmation from people that know you and, 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 and uh, either work with you or worship with you, some, some type of confirmation from the church. And then the third way is to have some kind of confirmation from the leadership of the church that you participate in. So if you're not participating in a church, guess what? You're, you're, out, of the, you're out of the biblical pattern. Reminds me of a time many years ago, there was a young lady at our previous church that came to me. And she said, she said Pastor, I, I'm, I'm so called uh, to be involved in ministry at the church. And, and I'll tell you the truth, it did not bear witness with me one bit. But I was trying to be polite. I said, well, let's talk about it. So we talked about it. And uh, I said, well, are, are you willing to go through the three-step process that I, that I learned many years ago? She says, what's that? I said, well, I, I hear you have a conviction in your own heart. But I want to know, I want to maybe talk to some people in, in the church that could confirm that you're called. And I want to talk to the leadership of the church to see if they sense a calling on your life. And you know what? I never heard from that person again. They did not want to go down that road. I don't know if they were afraid of what we were going to find, but uh, it was, the, the subject was dropped completely. But anyway, here they are, self-proclaimed prophets and teachers. And, and notice in verse number 1 and in verse number 3, I want to explain this. Because he's saying, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits, because there's false prophets. So it's not like he's saying there's, there's some like, woo-woo spirit out there. He's saying there's a spirit inside of a person that you've got to test. And in verse number three, he said, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. So there are people, people have spirits. We all have a spirit. So check, test the spirit of the person that is proclaiming to be a prophet. So let's get into verse number one. I, I would say that verse number one is a major theological statement. Don't believe every spirit. Man, a lot can be said right there. Um, and I want to I talk about this because don't believe every spirit. There's false prophets. I would, I would include false teachers, false ministers. Let me, let me put it this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you may know that we have the teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
So there's wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And all of these gifts are prophetic. And and they all have a potential of being a great blessing to the church or they have a potential of being greatly misused by the church. That's why Paul says in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, he says, let the spirit, let all the spirits of the prophets be subject to the prophets. In other words, if someone is working in the prophetic, let whatever they say or do be subject or confirmed by other people with the same giftings. And if it's confirmed, hallelujah. If it's not confirmed, it has to be addressed. So in John's day, as I said, the the issue was false teaching, uh, false prophets regarding the the sect of Gnosticism, which was anti-morality, pro-knowledge, and anti-Christian, basically. And um, and I thought about that. And and, and chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, these people came from within the church. This kind of gives me... Like reason to pause and say, wait a minute, how does that happen? How do such false teachers come from within the church? And I thought about our, some of our more recent history. Follow along with me here. You may know some of these people, but Jim Jones founded the People's Temple. And, but Jim Jones started in a legitimate uh, denominational church. He was teaching, he had studies, but somewhere along the line, his, his revelations turned dark, and uh, he w- became unteachable. He started his own following called the People's Temple. You may have heard the story. Um, they, he had a certain mystique about him, and people thought he was the anti, he was, he was, the, he was Christ uh, come back again. Uh, and hundreds of his followers drank Kool-Aid and died in Guyana, South America uh, in a pact under the intention of doing the right thing. I read recently that, that he, or either the next one I'm going to mention, uh, his followers are still waiting for them to come back again. The second one is David Koresh. Everyone ever hear of David Koresh? He started in a mainline denominational church, teaching and whatnot. He got revelations from God. They were not of God, but he thought they were. And uh, his followers died in a very fiery shootout with the FBI in Waco, Texas. And uh, the whole thing is corrupt. I think he's the group. They're waiting for him to come back from the grave. Bonnie Nettles, Manford, Applewhite, they started a ministry called Heaven's Gate. They incorporated certain Christian doctrines with New Age theology and what's called UFOlogy, UFOlogy. They believe something about the cosmos and the stars and New Age and Christianity. And they, they all committed a mass suicide to coincide with the appearance of a comet called hale Bupp in the 1990s. You may have heard about that. And so there are cults that spring up from the church. Well, they, they don't stay in the church, but they leave the church and start their own thing. There's many other cults. See if you recognize these. Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult. Because they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, uh, the Way International, Church of Scientology, very popular in Hollywood, uh, the Unification Church, the Moonies, uh, the International Church of Christ, Boston. About two years ago, I had a meeting with someone from that church because someone was attending here that was in a conflict with this person. They wanted me to meet with them. It was like speaking to the wall, literally. 
I could not make any headway with this person. They were so, so opposed to anything I had to say. I'm just hoping the Lord will use that conversation to one day open up their heart. The children of God, the United Pentecostal Church, which may sound legit. However, they deny the Trinity. They baptize people in the name of Jesus only, not in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like Jesus said. Some of the United Pentecostals believe that you're not even saved unless you speak in tongues. That's why I'm always reiterating the fact we're Pentecostal, but you could be saved without speaking in tongues. My goodness. But they believe strongly in that, and millions of people believe that. There's other cults, and there's probably some cults right around here. I'm not familiar with any personally, but in, a, in an area as populated as it is, I would say that there are. In other words, some small little fellowship based on the leader's personality that's uh, controlling and manipulative and uh, have unbiblical behaviors that they practice. They never get involved with other churches. They're independent, and uh, they're very kind of exclusive. And not to mention Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism and uh, Eastern and Middle Eastern religions and other pagan religions of some of the unreached people. So this topic is big. It's big. Um, I can remember, I shared this at one point, but before I came to know Jesus as a young man, I was looking for truth. I was looking for something else in my life, and, and, and I became involved with the Jehovah's Witnesses. I had people, uh, I had moved out of my parents' home, I was living independently, but people from Jehovah's Witnesses were coming to teach me the Word of God. And then after that, I got involved with the Way International a little bit. And after that, I was asked to participate in the Unification Church meetings. And, and whenever I would hear these, what these people had to say, I would listen. I was searching. But you know what happened to me? This is my story, so you have to take it from where it's coming from. When I was a little boy, I was going to parochial school, K through 8th grade. And in parochial school, I learned the Lord's Prayer. I, learned, I had to memorize the Beatitudes. I had to memorize the Apostles' Creed and other prayers, other things in the doctrine of the Christian faith. I wasn't a practicing Christian in my 20s, but th- those words were in my heart. And when I heard these other people tell me things, I, I, I don't know how I knew, but I knew that couldn't be right. And, and seeing all these kids going down for kids' church today, let me tell you something. This is the most important ministry that we have in the church, is teaching our kids early the things of God. And you might say, well, you know, they're, they're, my kids are growing up, and we took them to church, and they're not following the Lord. And I'm saying, you know what, it's not over yet. You did the right thing by bringing them to church and teaching them the Word of God. Let them figure it out. But I'll, I'll tell you, it, I, I'm a, this is my personal testimony. How did I know the way was wrong? I don't know how. How did I know Jehovah's Witnesses was wrong? I don't know how. Or the unification. All I know is that when I was a kid, I remember distinctly memorizing the Beatitudes and having to recite them to the teacher in, what, fifth grade or fourth grade, something like that. It didn't mean anything to me then, but I realize now the Word of God in someone's heart does something. It really does something. But anyway, Jesus and, and Peter and Paul talked about uh, the upcoming uh, false prophets that would be around. Jesus said in Matthew 24, which is a great dissertation about the last days. 
and what's going to happen before the Son of Man comes back again. He said, uh, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and so forth. These are the beginnings of sorrows. And then he said, then many false prophets will arise and will deceive many before the second coming. Can I tell you, church, we are there right now. There are so many false prophets in the world today, it's ridiculous. Paul said it in 1 Timothy 4. He said, um, he said in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Do, let me ask you, don't raise your hand, but do you know anyone that was once a follower of Christ and now is not? I know a lot of them. I think back over the last 20, 30 years, guys I went, used to go to church with, they're nowhere to be found. I don't know what they're doing. But in the latter times, Paul said, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I see this a lot in the mainline churches. They've departed from the truth and they're following uh, doctrines of demons and of deceiving spirits. What used to be not okay is now okay in a lot of mainline churches. Well, what changed? The word of God didn't change. Culture changed. Attitudes changed. Understanding changed. But this doesn't change. So if something used to be not okay or okay or vice versa, and now it's the opposite, what changed? It's the people that changed. It's not the word of God that changed. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, the time is coming when people won't endure sound doctrine. Jesus is the only way? Yeah, that's what, that's what the word of God says. You mean I can't live this way and, and experience God? No, that's what the word says. Well, they won't stand for, they won't endure sound doctrine. They'll have itching ears. You know what itching ears is? It's when you just want to get your ears tickled. You want to hear what you want to hear. You just want to hear some nice things that will make you feel good. Itching ears and they'll turn away from the truth to fables. These are the people that have a religious spirit. Second Timothy 3, Paul said, In the latter days, there were people that have a form of godliness. And are far away from God. Don't have any power of God. But they have a form of godliness. We see that all over our culture today. Uh, turn with me if you can. Just flip over a few pages to the left to Second Peter 2. And I didn't realize this until this morning as I was going through this. But Second Peter 2, we're not going to look at the whole chapter. But this chapter is loaded. I mean loaded with teachings against false prophets. Peter really got into it. But in verses... Uh, Verses 1 and 2 and 3, he says, There were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies into the church, even denying the Lord who bought them, bought by the blood of Jesus, and bring in on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. But covetousness they will uh, exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has been idle, and their destructive destruction does not slumber. And he goes on to talk about it. But what he's saying is, there are there are many people that will infiltrate the church and pollute the pure word of God. So John in, in one John four one, he commands us to test the spirits, test the spirits of the false prophets. But I, again, I want to talk about that because Revelation 19.10 says this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if someone's 
giving a testimony of Jesus, they have a spirit of prophecy. That's what the word says. So you could take someone who's far away from the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they're teaching the word of God as they understand it. They have a testimony of Jesus and they have a spirit of prophecy about them. So I, in my mind, I would include in, in 1 John 4 verse 1, I would improve, include not only prophets, but teachers, uh, teachers, preachers, chaplains, leaders, any minister of the gospel that's proclaiming the things of God. I would say test all of them. Because they're all under an anointing of prophecy when you get into Revelation 19.10. The spirit of Christ is a spirit of prophecy. So someone's teaching about Jesus. If they're in a a hardcore fundamentalist church, let's say, that is not open to the gifts of the spirit, but they're they're preaching the word of God. And let let me say this. We always leave a little room, a little wiggle room here. Because not every church believes the same thing. We believe what was said, what, 300 years ago, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. So in the essentials of the faith, about Jesus and the Word of God, we've got to be united in this. But there's some things that are, you know, we have a little different opinion on it. Like, it doesn't matter, those things. We have liberty. But in, in this relationship, we have charity. We have love with one another. So we have fellowship like myself, Pastor Bill, Pastor Wayne. We have fellowship with pastors in the community that are not from the assemblies of God. But you know what? It's really cool. Because in essentials, there's unity. In non-essentials, there's liberty. And in all things, there's love between us. Now, if someone came in with, who was not in agreement with the essentials, we'd have to have a sit down and talk. In fact, a few years ago, someone came in and I was kind of commissioned to talk to them to find out where they were coming from because we didn't know. And it turned out they were coming from a good place, so now they're a part of the group. So we leave a little room there. But anyway, when Paul wrote to the Galatians, great study. He said in chapter 1 of Galatians, I marvel at the fact that so many of you have left the, fun- the fundamental teachings of the faith. He said, accursed is anyone who preaches a different gospel than what you heard. He says it twice. Accursed is anyone who preaches a different gospel. In chapter 3 of Galatians, he says, Oh, Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who, who put a spell on you that you left the, the, the basic teachings of the church and you're serving another God or a different God than what we proclaim to you? And, and the Word of God is our standard, not the Book of Mormon, not the Watchtower Press. Not any book or uh, writing that any man has made, but the Word of God is our, is our barometer. It's our foundation. And in chapter, um, chapter 4, verse 1, the question in my mind is, who are these people anyway that are the false prophets? It doesn't say who they are by name. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? Wait a minute. They have no business being there in the first place. I mean, Paul gives... Very clear qualifications as to who should be a leader in a church. When you read Timothy and Titus, there's guidelines. Who's going to be an overseer, a teacher, a pastor, whatever. These people kind of came out of nowhere and were just proclaiming. But here's the the relevance. Does that happen today? Man, it happens all the time. If someone has a, a Facebook following, everyone listens. Who are they? Who commissioned them? Who said it was okay to do that? Nobody. They commissioned themselves. Personally, I have a problem with that, church. I don't see that as being biblical. It's not the biblical pattern. 
So if there's someone that's prophesying, giving a prophetic word, and they're living with their boyfriend or girlfriend, guess what we have on our hands? We have a false prophet on our hands. Let's say we have someone teaching the word of God and and they're teaching one thing, saying one thing and doing something completely different. Guess what? We have a false teacher on our hands. Let's say we have a pastor that's preaching the word of God. He's stealing money from the offering every week, being manipulative of people and living a life of secrecy and unaccountability. Guess what? We have a false pastor on our hands. So this this is an important subject to me today. So let's go through verses 1 through 6, if we could do that. Okay, Uh, there's going to be an application of this after. So I think the goal right now is just to go through 1 through 6, and next week we'll come back and get into the application. But verse number 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I went back on on our podcast channel, and I, I saw a sermon that I preached and it was the first sermon of 2020, January 4th, I think it was. It was called uh, Basic Faith. I saw that. I had no idea what I preached on that day. I saw the title. I, you know, I preach a lot of sermons. I don't remember every sermon I preached. But I said, I'm going to listen to this sermon. It wasn't a bad sermon, I have to say. It was a good sermon. But I, I was reminded of why I preached that at that time. And why I preached that at that time was because during those days, 2019, 2018, in this church, there were some people going around giving a personal, and I talked all about this. You may have heard this before, but they were giving personal words. Now, let me clarify that. If someone comes up and says, hey, brother, the Lord laid it on my heart, you're going to make it. You're going to do this. I have no problem with that. A word of encouragement is always a blessing, you know? God laid it on my heart, you know, whatever's going on, it's going to be okay. That's good. But when someone gets into the nitty-gritty details of your life and your relationships and so forth, as though God is speaking through, through them to you, could that happen? Yeah, but there's a way for that to happen. And it's not done in secret. I never see 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, uh, the gifts being in operation in secret. And so when it says to test every spirit, absolutely test every spirit. If someone says something to you, this is a word from God for you. Well, first of all, who is that person to give you a word of God, a word from God? Could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. But, but who is that to do that? Do you know the person? Do you know their life? Do you know their lifestyle? Would the pastor, would leaders approve of that going on? Yeah, is this a, a way of checks and balances? 100% it is. Why? Because people get destroyed in these situations. At that time, there were several people that were hurt by these things that were going on in this church. I could tell many stories. I knew a guy many, many years ago that heard things in his church, and thank the Lord it wasn't my church. This guy never even, went to this day, will not go back to church because of things that were said to him that were from the Lord that were not from the Lord. So, yeah, test, test every spirit, meaning test every person. Because, verse 1, there are many false prophets who have gone out. Same thing is true today. So test the person, what they said, their lifestyle, the fruit of their lives, etc. Verse number 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That sounds like a very innocent scripture to me at first take. 
Yeah, everyone knows that, right? You, you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is of God. You know, I, 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 that's kind of like basic. But um, uh, the opposite of that is true, too. That's verse number three. But if we were to really do what verse number two says, we would eliminate all of the cults. Because if you're preaching Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the enlightened one, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, the one who fulfilled Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9 and many other Old Testament scriptures, the one who who was perfect and sinless, who sacrificed his life as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, If we preach Jesus and his miracles, his obedience to the Father, his death and resurrection, his ascension into heaven, his promise to come back again, we will eliminate a lot of problems in the church. Because if you don't agree with that, if you don't see that, if you stay, you're going to be absolutely miserable until you change. But if you change, you'll be better off. But many times people just leave and they start their own thing. Jesus said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So people, people will ask you, do you really believe that? I remember, personally, I struggled with that for a little while. Like, oh, I don't know. I guess so. Now I'm saying, no, absolutely. That's what it says. So what about good people? What about Muslim people? What about this or that? Well, all I know is what the Word of God says. And that's what we stand on. So if we, if we confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, if we confess that we are of God, and I wonder if, if everyone could be, if everyone is at that place where you can do that without feeling intimidated, without feeling embarrassed, without feeling like whatever, and just proclaim it in a way, yeah, I believe what the Word of God says. When we celebrate Christmas, it's God in the flesh. It's not just the babe in the manger. It's God in the flesh coming to us. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just someone dying on the cross. It was the Savior of the world shed his blood to cover our sinfulness. That's the word of God. If we confess that, if we say that, if we live that, we're of God. Right? If, if we do that, it says we are of God. Verse number three says, if we don't do that, we're not of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard that was coming and now is already in the world. Well, verse number three, four, uh, two and three, very important. But verse number three, um, when we think about uh, not confessing that Jesus Christ has come into the world, This puts a different slant on many different aspects of our culture today. The liberal church, for instance. The liberal church says anything goes, any lifestyle goes. Everything's okay because God's a God of love. The social gospel church. And I believe in the social gospel. I mean, my goodness, we're involved in many social events in town. But some churches are exclusively a social gospel church and they forget about the righteousness and holiness of God. I mean, I believe when, when people are getting involved socially, the bottom line is we have inroads to talk to them about spiritual matters. And it's not a question of who's right or wrong about doctrine. Well, it is in a way, but the bottom line is who's going to heaven or who's going to hell. 
So we could feed somebody, close somebody, bless somebody, and never tell them the truth of the word of God. And they're standing before God. And the Lord says, why should I let you into heaven? Well, I got clothes from the church. And I got a good meal from the church. But, well, where's your heart? Where's your faith? Well, no one told me about that. So we have to do both. Jesus was both social and spiritual. And the, the prosperity gospel, too. I keep waiting, and I say this facetiously, I keep waiting for famine to go away in the world, for poverty to go away. I keep waiting for the prosperity gospel to make its way all over the world so that there will be no more poverty in the world. Everyone will be prosperous. You know what, church? It's never going to happen because that's not how the gospel is designed to be. So there, there are different strands of the gospel and so, anyway, this is the spirit of Antichrist. Verse number 3 says, this is the spirit of Antichrist. You've heard was coming and is now already in the world. And what I say right now, man, he's really in the world right now, the spirit of Antichrist. So, okay, verse number 4 says, you little children, you who are born again, you who are uh, followers of Christ, you are, who are a part of the body of Christ, believers, disciples of the Lord, you are of God. And you're in the truth. You're in the word. You're in the light. You're in fellowship with one another. You're in the church. You have pastors and leaders and teachers around you. And you're doing well. And you follow the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. And it says in verse number four, you have overcome them. And I thought, why is he saying you overcame them? What did they overcome? Well, you get the idea that the teachings were like ready to overcome, overtake them. But they... Listen, they debated, they dialogued, they thought about it, they prayed about it, and they realized what they were saying was wrong, and they overcame them by standing on the Word of God. And so we see in verse number 4, and tell me if you haven't heard this before, uh, you've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. How many have heard that, that phrase before, greater is he that's in you? In the context, they were able to rise above the false teachers because the Holy Spirit working in them was greater than the spirit of the Antichrist. That's why they were able to overcome. And so we have this whole teaching that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the building of God, it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 9, I think it is. We are the, the house of God. God lives within our heart. And because God is living within our heart, there's something that bears witness when we could tell truth in error. And I, I have to tell you, my experience as a kid and my experiences in my 20s are related somehow, even though I was not even serving God in my 20s, the Word of God was in my heart. I was able to discern the error of those three cults that I was involved with. I knew a deceiving spirit was out to get me at that time. I had the most peculiar interactions with people during those days. I did. I would meet people that, that were real spiritual, but they had the wrong spirit. And I didn't know for sure, but I thought maybe I think this guy's a little bit off. And I realized they were really off. I, I remember distinctly having dinner with people, talking with people, listening to people and studying the Bible. And I'm thinking, I, I don't know about this. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So let's not you know, misquote that. Greater see, In other words, because of that, we can discern right from wrong, good from evil, uh, truth from error. So, okay, so then verses 5 and 6 kind of go together. It's a they and we type of thing. But they are of the world, 
Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, and, and he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. And so that raises a whole lot of questions, too, because we're called to be a witness for the Lord. We're called to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. But if we're preaching to people that don't know God, how do they get to know God if they can't hear us because they're not one of us? Well, the answer to that is the Holy Spirit convicts them. Our role is to proclaim. The Holy Spirit's role is to convict. So before we go out to do anything, we have to be praying for people that their heart would be open, that God would intervene and turn on the light of their spirit so that when they hear the truth, they'll recognize the truth. I mean, my, my whole life, you know, one day I'll write a book about it, maybe. My wife keeps telling me I should, but I, I had a lot of spiritual experiences. I had people coming out of the woodwork talking to me about God. It was very weird in those days. But when my friend Lenny told me, you got to get right with God, oh, oh, oh my goodness. Talk about bearing witness. The Holy Spirit was all over me and him at that time. We heard the truth, and we knew that was the truth. I'm so glad I knew that the other stuff wasn't the truth. It was, and I was waiting to hear the truth of the word of God. And not that they weren't using the word of God. They were, but it wasn't the truth of the word. That's how deceptive this whole thing is. People can use the word of God and not be preaching the truth of the word of God. This is the dilemma that we're in. So anyway, if we receive Christ, if we, we, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit is living within us. This is why we have such a, a grave distinction between the Pentecostal church and the United Pentecostal church. Because we believe in the Pentecost, absolutely, but we believe in salvation by a work of the Holy Spirit. Anyone who's a believer has the Holy Spirit. Every, anyone, who has the, anyone who is a believer in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. You don't need to speak in tongues to be saved. You don't need to be working in the gifts of the Spirit to be saved. You know, and that's the distinction between the two, but they're, they're close, but not close enough. So, okay. So, verses 5 and 6, verse 6. We are of God who knows he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So as we, as we gave our heart to the Lord, we're living for the Lord, Lord working in us, we have a built-in uh, discernment that goes along with the walk with God to know truth and error. Does that mean some of us don't get wrapped up in some things sometimes? In this day and age, it's so common to follow someone on Facebook or YouTube or whatever and find out later they are way out in left field. So the rest of this sermon was going to be about, about discerning that, but I'll, I'll, I'll end this today uh, by saying uh, in this day and age, I mean, they were, John was cautioning them to be careful then. How much more should we be careful now as to what we hear, what we allow into our heart and into our spirit? There's so much out there trying to deceive and trying to get our attention. So I'm going to hold off on that until next week. So you could read that over during the week and try to get some other insights in it yourself. So praise the Lord. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we stand together? I know it's early, but I think it's time to wrap this up right here. Hallelujah.
Every head bowed for just a moment. I was preparing for today, I felt in my heart, I felt, really felt that God had wanted to have time to minister to people. I thought it was during worship, but I think it's now. And I don't want to prolong this message or this service, but I want to give you an opportunity to respond because like I shared with you, the last couple of days, I was having my own battle with condemnation came out of left field for me. So I know this is real, personally. Some of you may be struggling with what you believe, where you belong, your understanding of the Word of God. And John 10.10 10 keeps coming into my spirit that the thief has come to steal and to destroy, to kill, to rob. And some of you may be battling now with your faith. You may be searching for something different, but I want to tell you there's nothing different that will save you or help you. today, church? I, I want you to know this. 
I spent the whole day yesterday preparing this message, battling every minute of that day, yesterday. I'm just being transparent with you. Going back and forth, thinking, studying, reading, praying. And then it dawned on me at some point, I'm preaching on spiritual warfare. No wonder why I had a terrible day yesterday. God doesn't want anyone preaching on this stuff. No wonder why I'm I'm condemning myself for something I didn't even do. (laughs) Welcome to my life. You ever do that? You condemn yourself for something you didn't even do. What a, what a lie of the enemy that is. What did I do? You didn't do anything. Why do I feel this way? I don't know. Life. Spiritual. It's all spiritual. ago I was talking about I remember there were two sermons in particular I mentioned this subject have you entered into the sufferings of Christ because there's no greater compliment than to enter into the sufferings of Christ and then I find out that I had entered into something I didn't even know I was in because someone told me something and um just being really transparent here. I don't know why, but I want to just be transparent. It was said that I said something and did something that I didn't say or do. Honest to goodness. Didn't happen. And the person said, well, you've just entered into the sufferings of Christ. Someone's talking bad about you. Someone else is talking bad about you. Someone else is talking bad about you. I could cope with that. I don't mind because I know I didn't do anything. But the enemy will use these things to say, who do you think you are? You think you could serve God? The enemy will say, who do you think you are? And you may even say that to yourself. Who do I think I am? Your own heart may condemn you. But again, what are we basing everything on? If we're basing it on the word of God, the word of God says God's greater than your heart and knows all things. The word of God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The word of God says I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Those of you at home today, listen. I hope you're you're feeling the spirit of God right here. This is important. We're having a moment here in the sanctuary.
I'll finish this by saying verse number two, that if we confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, we're of God. And I will confess that. Jesus, the, the Christ, God has come in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. He was born in Bethlehem, lived in Galilee, and died in Jerusalem. On the third day, he arose from the dead. Forty days later, he ascended into glory. And he said, I'm coming back again. And we are still waiting for him to come back. I will confess that. And when I confess that, all the other stuff in my mind and spirit kind of dribbles away. Because the main thing is now the main thing. I've surrendered it all to Christ. I've given it all to Christ. So on that note, if what if our doors were shut next week because of some laws that were passed? What if we couldn't do this? What if we couldn't preach in freedom? Ready for jail or whatever? Yeah, I guess so. This is the main thing. fighting the good fight. None of us have arrived. We're all fighting the good fight. The word says when someone's struggling, others come around and help them up. The word says that those that, are, that seem to be less valuable are really more valuable. In my mind and spirit right now, the Lord is just saying, you know what? Keep it simple, everybody. Keep it simple. Get right with God. Trust him. You gave your heart to the Lord. Now learn the word of God. Worship him. Fellowship with other believers. Protect yourself, though. I, I don't know if I said it this service or at 9 o'clock. The Antichrist spirit is all over the place. All over the place. That spirit that says, you don't need God. You don't need all this. Satisfy your flesh. It's ingrained in our culture. Called us out. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll be dismissed. If anyone wants prayer, you can come up after the after this prayer, and just I'll be happy to pray with you. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for your word today. And that one scripture: Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Lord, that's reverberating in my spirit. We've got to be so careful what we allow into our lives. 
so many self-proclaimed prophets of the Lord that were never ever commissioned by anybody not even not by you either Lord help us in this day and age to be sensitive to this truth that there's a lot wrong in the church we've got to stay on the straight and narrow path and really put up safeguards around our spirit person Uh, Lord I pray for everyone here everyone at home those that will hear this message later down the road Lord, may this simple truth burn in our hearts that you called us out of ungodliness to live in in righteousness with you. You put the body of Christ around us to insulate, insulate us and protect us and to teach us. Help us, Lord, to know the spirit of truth and to discern the spirit of error. May your Holy Spirit, Lord, that's within us, come alive to another level that will be will be quick to discern what's right what's wrong what i listen to where i go what i don't listen to where i won't go what i won't do what i will do let all that come to a higher level in our lives so that we could be the pure spotless bride that you're waiting for when you come back So, Lord, thank you for this time. I pray blessings over everyone here, over those at home. And I pray, Lord, for a good week as November is quickly fading and December is right around the corner. Let us prepare our hearts for the great uh, events of December as we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, and uh, we give our lives to you afresh. Just pray for your anointing and blessing to be upon us. Thank you, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, the, uh, the altars are open. If anyone needs prayer, uh, I'll be happy to pray with you. Uh, if not, God bless you. Have a good week. Uh, join us tonight at 6 o'clock at our live stream prayer.